Thompson. On the show today, we have the fabulous Adam from All Clear and Adrian from Barfoot and Thompson Remuera with some great tips for our investors and landlords listening in. Welcome to Property Matters. Welcome along to another Monday. I've got some fabulous people in the studio to chat to you today, taking a break from the politicians. Thanks for your feedback over the last couple of weeks. Really appreciate it. And a big thank you to National and ACT for coming along. Sadly, our other parties did decline, but um, really appreciate the feedback that we got from you, our listeners. Remember, you can download all our podcasts on Spotify, Apple, Samsung, iHeartRadio, or wherever you like to listen to podcasts. You will find us there. And if you've got a question or a topic you'd like to cover or you'd like to come on the show, email us at propertymatters at barfoot.co.nz. We'd love to talk to you. Now here to chat to us today, we have Adam here from All Clear and Adrian from Barfoot and Thompson Remuera. Good evening, gentlemen. Good afternoon. Evening. How are we? Fantastic. Excellent. So we're here to chat some very different topics, but they kind of intertwine because you're used to working together in this sort of space. So Adam, kick it off. Tell us a little bit about yourself and I guess what your role is at All Clear, and then we'll unpack a little bit more about All Clear shortly. Sure. So uh, one of the directors of the business set it up um, in, uh, in partnership with, with my business partner, Matt, uh, 2016. So and my area of expertise really is around, um, in particular, asbestos across another num- a number of other technical subjects that we, we do work with. Brilliant. Okay. And Adrian, tell us about yourself. Yep, so uh, I'm the Head of Property Management for the Edinburgh branch of Barford and Thompson. Um, so I'm essentially responsible for the entire branch's property management portfolio, which is around 350 properties, and we have about uh, three property managers and an administrator at the branch. Cool. Awesome. All right. So we're going to get to know you both and your companies over the next 40 minutes or so. So, Adam, talk a little bit, first of all, what is or all clear. What's the sure. key things so, you do? I mean, we're really a technical um, advisory and consulting service with a particular focus on residential property. Uh, we set the business up with a kind of a pretty pretty firm view that we wanted the services that we provided were there, and they were impartial. They were pragmatic. They were um, accessible in terms of pricing. So that's really the, that sort of underpins everything that we do. Um, obviously, we do stuff in the commercial and industrial space, but our, our core um, specialisation is very much residential. And we do work with, with so many properties managers across across the country. Right. So can, uh, obviously, property managers, can private landlords book you as well? Absolutely. Probably about an 80 to 90% split. Okay. So vast, the wow. vast majority of our, of our clients are professional property managers involved in the property space. Uh, we do do some work for, for landlords as well. That's because all these investors are learning that, you know, you need to have your property professionally managed. And that's one of yeah. the things we've, we say. Use the experts. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. All right. So let's break down some of the areas that All Clear works in. First of all, I'm interested in the meth testing side. Back in the day when I was a property manager, it was back when they, the, all these rules and regulations were just coming in. Talk us through the different types of meth testing that you do. Right. So we only provide scientific uh, or lab-based um, analysis, which is obviously fundamentally um, part of you know one of our core principles. Uh, there are other types of testing available, preliminary kits or immunoassay type um, testing options. Uh, in our view, they're just too uh, unreal, un- unreliable scientifically, so it's right. not, not something that we do. Um, there's basically two types of, uh, of scientific services. There's a, a, what's called a, a field composite or a lab composite. We only op- offer the uh, more comprehensive option for property managers and landlords, which is the lab composite service. And basically the way that works is uh, it keeps the cost down 
Um, so effectively what we're doing is we are collecting individual samples, but when they go to the lab, they are analysing it initially as a group. Okay. Um, but in the process, they preserve the integrity of those samples, so uh, they can be analysed individually should they need to, to be. To save so coming back and doing it again. Pretty all much. Those yeah, cool. So it's all about um, keeping the cost down up front, but also preserving the ability to have those samples run individually if you need to. And that's why we've been advocating for that service since 2016. So uh, it's, that's, that's our really our only offering to property management and landlords. Do you still recommend that landlords have that uh, tenancy? You know, every time there's a tenancy change, we get that check done again? Look, um, as a business, we have never advocated for mandatory testing. We just don't believe in it. We absolutely believe that all properties have a risk profile. Um, all um, owners have a risk appetite. It kind of de- it depends on mm. your uh, insurance policy, the type of tenancy you have in place, the, the individual r- risk factors of that particular scenario, and you really want to consider all those and make an educated decision. Um, but we do, um, you know, one of the first things we recommend to clients is, hey, look at your insurance particulars mm. and understand what that's really the best starting point. And obviously, secondly, talk to your property manager and they can give you some guiding advice on how to handle it. Yeah, Adrian, as a property manager, how important do you see these checks between tenancies? Um, look, I, I agree with Adam. They have their place. Um, initially, at the beginning, when they first sort of came out, there was all this hysteria about meth mm-hmm. testing. You should meth test all the time um, in between every tenancy and so on and so forth. Um, after Gluckman came out, it, it sort of lowered that hysteria. Um, Essentially, there wasn't a lot you could do for very low readings anyway. Um, again, what Adam's just said sort of sums it up quite rightly. It depends on the risk profile. Um, it depends on the owner's appetite for taking that risk as well. Um, if you're an owner that isn't certain or sure, then again, come and talk to us and we'll sort of talk you through that process. Now, Adam mentioned the insurance and checking insurance policies. Is that something your team would be doing to make sure that you're meeting the obligations of insurance? Yeah, that's right. So as part of the sign-up process, we do ask for a copy of the insurance policy. We're meant to keep one on file, um, especially if a tenant asks for a copy of the insurance report. We're obligated to actually um, give a copy of the insurance. Um, So, yeah, essentially we do look at those insurance policies and we advise as best we can but again it's not professional legal yep. advice it's just sort of the best advice that we can give at the time no it's fair enough all right adam talk me through your healthy homes compliance service we've talked a lot over the sort of last month really about healthy homes again sort of checking in what's involved in doing a healthy homes assessment on a property well, it's a pretty complicated process uh, from start to finish typically involves around about an hour and a half to two hours per property so it's not something wow. that you should be that you, you should rush through yeah yeah because ultimately it's all about the, the the quality of the report that you can produce after the assessment so that's something that um, sort of just to provide a bit of a backstory. Um, we were one of the first providers to launch that service in 2019, and we've assessed over 20,000 properties. Wow! So there's a decent amount of experience in the organisation on how to do it, um, and it's really about it's again it's the same principles: impartiality, professionalism, and independence. Um, but there are obviously those five categories, uh, and those five categories all need to be reported on um, comprehensively in the report. And you're training your staff specifically to do just the assessment process? Yeah, correct. So They're not working across the company in any other way from what you're uh, saying? Well, we have two streams to our business. We have a property services stream, uh, right. and that stream comprises healthy homes and smoke alarms. And right. we have our scientific or consulting team who deal with basically everything else. So that's meth testing, asbestos, lead-based paint, water, so on and so forth. There are many people in our, in our business that are cross-trained, um, but it's the property services team that primarily do the healthy homes work. Mm, now, for those listeners, who 
haven't tuned in or, or haven't registered yet, what are the key things in healthy homes you're looking for when you're assessing? Well, the key things really are uh, heating, uh, ventilation, draft stopping, moisture ingress, uh, drainage. Um, those are the sort of the key categories. Um, typically, uh, the most expensive category from a remediation standpoint is heating. So mm. that's one of the first things. And obviously heating, but of course to understand the heating considerations, you need to look first at insulation. So right. kind of they all tie in quite nicely yep. together. Um, there's been a lot of obviously, uh, I guess, industry, I guess market um, uh, views or feedback on on the on the legislation itself, um, but we're so far into the program now. It's about sort of just sort of getting on with it, really. Mm. And interesting, over the last few weeks, talking to our politicians, there's no movement in that space. Like there might be the odd tweak, but it's certainly not something that's going to disappear. Yeah, good for your company to know. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. I mean, that's got to be a good thing, right? It's, yeah. um, I've, I've never met an owner who hasn't um, benefited from investing in a rental property, mm. whether they keep it for, the, for forever or whether they sell it in the foreseeable future. It's still investing in the property. Mm. Yeah. Adrian, how does your team work on the healthy home side of things? So you get a, a, a report from All Clear. What do you then do? Yeah, so the process actually starts right at the beginning for us, really. Um, it's even back towards the appraisal side of things when we go through the property. It's some of the things that we're looking at are the more obvious factors, um, you know, such as whether or not it does ventilate externally, and then we're having that conversation and recommending the assessors, such as all clear, to go through. Once we get that comprehensive report, it's just working through that report um, bit by bit with the owners, um, keeping them involved throughout the process and um, just referring those on to our contractors, our preferred contractors that traditionally give us a better deal than, for example, if a landlord went to a contractor directly um, and that's part of that process when they sign up with us. Mm. You're an experienced property manager. How what feedback, I guess, or how have you seen it for tenants? Like, Do you get good feedback that this is making a difference to their homes? Hard to say. Um, especially this year with the weather that we've been having, we've noticed a lot more issues popping up, um, especially in older homes. Um, these are traditionally the homes that needed the healthy home standards and I mean, that's pretty consistent with why I think the government released these healthy home standards was to bring these up to scratch. Um, but for example, this year we've seen a lot of mould in properties and things like that and, and ventilation has certainly been an issue, um, even for a lot of properties that are compliant. So it just sort of shows the state mm. that some of our properties are in at the moment. How long does an owner have? So if the, an owner buys an investment property today, it's going to put the tenant in next week. How long have they got to comply with everything? Um, so it's 120 days, and uh, that was from the recent change where they extended all the dates after COVID. Um, and then from my understanding, it needs they, all, all private rentals need to be compliant by the 1st of July 2025. Okay. And Adam, what, what if they don't have the ability to make something happen? For example, they can't install a kitchen extractor due to the way the kitchen is in the house or no external walls or something. Are you you seen a lot of those sort of exemption spaces? Yeah, look, there's a huge number of exemptions, um, and I guess that's a really good point um, that you've raised, and it, is, it, it reinforces our a position that it's really important you get an impartial yeah, and definitely. professional person's opinion. Um, it's very difficult for an owner to potentially have to front a tribunal um, mm. hearing saying, oh, look, I, I decided that this is exempt and this is exempt when, when they just can't, they, there's no way they can justify mm. the decisions. Mm. Really, you really need to lean on the advice of a professional. Um, to answer your question, absolutely, it's, it's very common. Um, we see a lot of, particularly in, in Auckland, a lot of issues around body corp, so not, right. not providing permission to do things, which, yeah. which is their right to do so under the Unit Titles Act. 
Right. Um, but there are other issues around, um, you know, substantial damage. If it's going to cause un- unreasonable damage to a property, that, that's something that pops up fairly mm. frequently, as well as health and safety issues. So, you know, the argument there is, you can't ask somebody to do something if it's going to represent an, un- un- um, an unacceptable level of risk. Mm. I was in an apartment building when this all came through, and the body court rules were against um, heat pumps being installed. But eighty percent of the uh, t- residents were renting. So it actually trumped it, and we were able to get the heat pumps installed, which was really interesting and good. But but the owners were backing it. The Mm. owners were backing it. Um, The next area I think our landlords and tenants would be interested in when it comes to your service, Adam, is the smoke alarm testing. You know, how does that operate for an owner of a rental property? What's your role in that? You're right. So um, let's take a step back. So in 2016, the government introduced new legislation around both insulation and smoke alarms. So this is uh, legislation that dates back to 2016. And basically the requirements are that you need to um, have a minimum number of devices in appropriate locations um, and then check them uh, in between each tenancy. But there's also a bit in the Act that says you must be able to... um, uh, confirm that they're working mm. at all times during the tenancy. And what we're seeing now, and this is certainly something that's happened post-COVID, is tenancies are lasting longer. Yep. So it's more difficult to, to check, just check them in between tenancies. Or presume an expiry date that for the average life of a tenant now has changed. changed. Yeah. yeah, so it's, it's definitely on the, uh, it's definitely increasing. So our service really comprises um, the ability for people to outsource that responsibility to an expert. Um, so we've got two different services. We've got a casual option, which is designed for um, owners which who perhaps want to, you know, a lot of um, private owners use that service. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have our subscription service. So for a fixed fee um, of just under $100 per year, it's unlimited devices if required for compliance and unlimited visits. Wow. So it's, it's pretty cost effective and effectively they're outsourcing the responsibility to us. So does that mean at two in the morning, because that is the only time smoke alarms ever beep, um, the tenants can call you rather than Adrian? Uh, well, they can, they can certainly try calling at 2 o'clock in the morning. Um, we'd probably get back to them about 8 o'clock the yeah. following day. Um, but, I mean, that's a good example, right? Yeah. There are, that, that's actually temperature issues. That's, that's a sudden drop in temperature that right. causes a smoke alarm to do that, and that's, you know, across most brands yeah. of devices. Uh, that's very common feedback, what you just pointed out. Yeah, yeah, always. Adrian, do you find that landlords take this sort of service up? Sounds great for tenants. Yes. Um, I mean, we've posed the All Clear service to a lot of our landlords and we did have a good amount of uptake and we continue to recommend that. So it is definitely a good service. Um, yeah, what can I say? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Well, it's all about keeping our family safe, isn't it? When it comes to asbestos consulting, which I spotted you do, mm-hmm. is the this needed when we do major renovations on a property or like at what point do we need to engage a company to come in and consult on asbestos? Well professional property managers are usually going to do one step first and that's the, that's the first step is really triaging their properties based on age so everything right. up to including the 1980s is considered pretty high risk yep. anything from the 80s on uh, up until the um, 2000s is medium risk and anything from 2000 onwards is a low risk so that's the first thing professionals are going to have done and then they're going to understand where their risks sit so they'll have a segmented portfolio and they'll know that you know they've got 150 properties that are in their high risk category and they'll probably be working through that list proactively mm. so then the scenario is you know there's, there's major work planned at one of those properties that are in their high risk category then the options for, for those 150 properties is much more limited around what they can and can't do versus the ones that are in the medium or low risk categories so it's kind of the first step um, but understanding what the obligations are so um you know, understanding that you know there's a, there's a requirement to undertake um, a survey when when significant work's being done that runs a risk of disturbing asbestos and right. creates a, a risk of uh, friability. 
Um, but again, triaging the, the properties based on age is such a simple step that um, is, uh, allows you to understand where the risk is. Mm. I still have memories of my father scraping their ceiling. You know, those <laughs> 80s sparkling ceilings that we had. Yeah. It was yeah. incredibly common. Yeah. Incredibly common to, to, to both see it in, in, in uh, residential buildings, but also hear of a family member or a friend that's actually removed it mm. without any form of precautions. Yeah. Yeah. Scary. It is. It is. Now, speaking of scary, is lead based paint identification, because that's something else you do. Is that a similar yeah, look, process? It's, it's kind of, it's, it's got some similarities to um, asbestos, and that, that's really around. The, it's the ability to ingest it basically so you're, whether you're going to inhale the dust uh, and it's particularly nasty if you do um, obviously lead poisoning so we've had quite a number of cases where and I guess the, the problem with lead based paint is it's just there's not enough known about how to spot it um, how to you know profile risk and then what steps to take as a result so it is a service that we provide it's not hugely common which can be frustrating at times we do, we do see some re- refurbishment work started um, and they just haven't looked at that as a risk first, which is, can be a bit of a challenge. Um, but it does have some similar, um, I guess, concerns and obligations on on duty holders, on you know, d- during the due diligence before starting work. Mm. And then you've also got water and soil testing. Mm. So when are we engaging for that? So waters, we tend to market that service to, to customers who are off the reticulated network. Okay. So we've yep. got a lot of um, property management firms who are you know, servicing some of the rural areas in Auckland and certainly in Canterbury and Northland. Um, so that's the, we tend to focus most of the energy of that service there and ultimately the owner of the property is responsible for the adequate collection and storage of water if it's off the network and that obviously includes that it's free of uh, free from contaminants. Um, so it's a service that we provide to, and there's been a lot of press recently around um, how important quality drinking water is. We've certainly seen a lot of scenarios where occupants have actually got incredibly unwell from having poor quality water and, and actually the frustration is what we see is um, water quality is one of the last things they think of. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a trip to the hospital yeah. um, with somebody to kind of go, hold on a second, you know, let talk about your home environment, let's understand what the environment is, let's understand what the contributing mm. factors are, and then it sort of comes up. And then they realise they've actually been really unwell for a couple of months, and this has actually been one of the, probably the most likely cause. Mm. Wow. Okay, so meth testing, healthy homes, we've got soil, water, asbestos, lead-based paint, checking, have I missed anything? I don't think so. We do, we do. Um, so there is a service, <laughs> Adrian actually well. pointed out um, earlier, I mean obviously the Auckland floods in January, the right, Auckland yep. anniversary floods in January were, were devastating for Auckland. Um, we've seen a massive increase in mould inquiries, so obviously okay. we, we do a, that's considered to be the, the microbiology suite yep. of services. So we do mould and moisture testing and then we can also do air quality testing, which is a bit more of an exotic scientific service oh. that we can do, so that the, the demand for that service is probably quadrupled in the last six months, yep. which is scary. Um, and we're certainly finding a lot of scenarios where um, issues created from the Auckland weather events just haven't been adequately addressed. Mm. Uh, you know, and tenants that might have lived through the horror of that weekend have gone, uh, and then there's, you know, potentially new tenants mm. in there, and they've just got no idea what's actually been, what work's been done, yeah, if any. If any, what's sitting behind those walls. It's kind of scary. Yeah. So that's where you need to have an expert come in and go, actually. And I guess one of the other issues that we find in that space is it's very, very common for a remedial company to try and jump straight into trying to fix mm. the issue without actually understanding what the root cause is first. Right. And invariably what happens is they, you know, go and replace walls and reline carpet and six months later the issue's back again. Mm. And that can be very, very frustrating for the owner. 
you're much more of a scientific company than I realise. I've now got visions of all your staff in white coats running around the office. No white coats, <laughs> um, but very scientific. Yeah, yeah, so that's, that's a good cool. observation. What's the busiest part of your business? Um, so we go through, I would suggest, probably about 300 sites a week. So it's pretty high volume. Um, the two highest volume services would be um, Healthy Homes and Smoke Alarms. So right. that alone would probably, that's about 200. So it's at two-thirds of the total volume. Right. Um, Smoke Alarms is a really, really high volume service. Mm. Okay, good to hear, though, from a safety point of view. Mm. So, Adrian, I'm going to switch it over to you now. Tell me a little bit about yourself and your journey in property management that sort of led up to this role at Remuera. Alrighty. Um, yes, I mean, for me, I started real estate back in, uh, well, back when I was 19 years old. Um, I was up in the far north in a place called Kaitaia. Um, some people will know it, some won't. <laughs> um, and I started just as a personal assistant um, to a real estate agent up there. Um, I was initially given a portfolio of about 30 properties, um, told to go through to the Residential Tenancies Act through the legislation website and basically um, said, here you go. That's your training. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> your training. Figure it out. Um, no, look, but the support was good. Um, and then from there I moved into the actual property management role at First National um, up there. Um, I was looking after uh, around 100 properties, I believe it was. Um, after that time, my the, the sales agent that I was the personal assistant to, he actually bought out the offices up there. So he bought out three offices up in the far north. Um, and he also bought out the rent roll up there. Um, he tapped me on the shoulder and said, hey, look, could you actually run the property management for me? Um, my focus is sales, essentially. Um, so that's what I did. Um, took over that rent roll, set up all the processes. I wasn't given a lot of gain. It was more, here's a rent roll of around 100. Um, can you make it work? So figure out the systems and everything yeah. else. <laughs> um, from there, um, I went on to university in 2020, right as when um, COVID started as well. Um, so I was still remotely managing that company. We hired right. a, a property manager to, to do most of the work um, while I sort of remotely managed him, trained him up, and then also made site visits in between. Um, sort of towards the end of that um, journey, I was about three years in, I moved back up to the far north, took up a sales manager position, did that for about six months, and then this opportunity came up with Barfield and Thompson out of the Edinburgh branch. Um, at the time, I was doing a lot of high-end and sort of luxury properties and beachfront properties up north, so um, the demographic... It prepared uh, you. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it prepared me. So um, took the opportunity, came to Edinburgh, um finishing the law degree sort of this October or something so wow. yeah a lot going on but that's yeah. essentially the the long and the short of it that's the that's cool and, and what can I ask is the most noticeable difference between being a property manager in the north versus Auckland yeah so it's definitely the people um in terms of the, the people, the demographics, so there are just different interactions between people in Northland and people in Auckland. Um, there is a lot more uh, asserting of, of rights in Auckland, for example. Um, mm. There's a lot more challenging of decisions where you spend a lot more time going through the compliance aspect of property management rather than right. property management 101, which is essentially your, your inspections and your maintenance and things yep. like that. Um, so that's the, the biggest difference that I've noticed there. Interesting, interesting. It- Tell us about Rimuera as a place to invest. You know, what would be your recommendation? Is this a good spot for our investors to buy into? Um, I would say that it's a really good opportunity at present. 
Um, so we obviously had the real estate market, which yep. you know, went through its tough troubles. It dropped, um, essentially bottomed out. Um, now we've got a little bit of commentary from Tony Alexander, for example, who says that that market's now turning around and we're on. We're, we're past the bottom. We're past just the sort of the bottom of it. And now we're heading back up towards um, an increase in, in that market. Um, the assessment is that now is probably the best time to be buying an investment property, especially in Rimueta, Um, especially if you're looking at capital gains for your mm. investment property. Um, traditionally, our suburbs more capital gains than yield focused, um, but that's also something that you'll notice probably across most of Auckland these days, that it's more capital gains focused, so it's more longer term, um, but it's a bigger return at the end of the the journey. What about Remuera as a suburb itself, a place to live, play, entertain in? Yeah, it's a great little suburb. Um, the village is, I mean, it's a lovely little village. There's plenty of opportunities. There's plenty of shops there. Um, if you like the bistro type um, cafes and yep. dining, it's got that um, in droves. Um, in terms of opportunity in that neighbourhood, it's a great neighbourhood as well. Um, not just for investment, but also buying your own home. Um, right. And there's plenty of scale as well. It's it's a very large suburb compared to some. Um, there's properties as, as little as 600,000. They might need a little bit of work to sort of bring them up to, mm, mm. to standard, but a good little sort of investment to get into. And then there's properties up to your sort of 8, 10 million. I mean, it's murder after all. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so there, but there still is that variety in there because we do tend to think of sort of just the high end, but it has got that variety across the suburb. Yeah, that's right, yeah. plenty of variety. So what is it that you love about property management that's made you move from the north down to Auckland? Um, property management for me has been one of those industries that you're, you're not chained to your desk and you never know what's coming um, day after day. It's Every day is unique. It's not the same thing over and over again. You're out there, you're dealing with people. Um, one day you're doing inspections, the next day you might be doing appraisals, the next mm. day you might actually be in the office finishing off your paperwork. But you're just you're not chained to that one location. Yeah, variety is the spice of life, that's what they say. So how do you and your team stay up to date with legislation and all the changes that have come in over the years? Yep. So in terms of the legislation, I mean, I personally monitor a lot of that myself, um, especially with the legal background. It's sort of one of my strong points in terms of the branch and one of the branch's strong points as well. Um, we do every week, every Monday, we have a team meeting or a team huddle, we call them. Um, but part of that huddle, we do have um, a training session in there on something in the Residential Tenancies nice. Act. Um, and we're using information that's collected from um, tribunal decisions, but also from Westlaw commentary, for example, and databases that are available there. Um, the other aspect is Barford and Thompson have been really forward-focused in terms of legal compliance and issues that pop up, and they do actually have an in-house uh, legal advisor, um, Megan, who's been amazing, um, I mean, I, I get on with Megan quite well and we, we discuss a lot of different issues. Um, and she is also part of that that legal upskilling and training there for our team. Um, and then finally, obviously, is the boot camps that um, Barford and Thompson do offer for all new employees, but also um, existing and ongoing training for property managers. So plenty of time to refresh. Yeah. Plenty of time. Yep. A question that we put to our politicians the last two weeks, and I didn't get the answer I expected, was around regulating property management space. What's your thoughts on that? 
Um, my views are probably a little bit controversial in terms of... Oh, that's OK. Uh, it's it nearly, depends. nearly five o'clock. It depends on what people think. <laughs> Um, I actually agree with the regulation of the property management industry, um, and that's just because I've been on the ground and dealt with some of the um, other options out there who aren't focused on getting it right in terms mm. of legal compliance and doing it right, getting the healthy homes assessment done, but then also getting the work done that needs to be done. Um, those guys are traditionally the guys that give the other property managers who are following the rules yeah. the bad name, so I definitely think that there should be regulation in the industry. I don't think that's controversial. I think if I put any property manager in that seat, that's what they're saying. But I was surprised that that both National and ACT were sort of saying, actually, it might not be necessary, Yeah, which was disappointing. I think it's easy to perhaps pass comment when you're not actually on the ground Mm. um, going into the properties and dealing with the issues. But for the people on the ground, I do know that there is some good support for regulation in the industry. Yeah. Uh, Adam, when it comes to training, your company offers training and education. Walk us through that space for you. Yeah, so we've um, trained uh, hundreds of property managers right across all of the different service categories that we offer. Um, probably the most popular training module would be um, would be asbestos followed by meth followed by healthy homes. Okay. So that sort of starts at the beginning, understanding what the legal obligations are, what does best practice look like, avoiding negative outcomes, really going through step by step. Uh, you know, as a business, we're really um, passionate about sharing our knowledge. Um, with our clients, um, you know, and ultimately it enables them to make decisions, um, you know, effectively considering all the facts. We don't push our services on the clients, we just arm them with the information to help make an educated decision. So the training programs form such a critical part of that process. Mm. Given you are going in and out of private landlords and, and property management space, what's your thoughts on regulation for this industry? Well, look, I, th- I think it's probably not a bad thing. Um, I think that, you know, obviously the majority of our clients are property managers mm-hmm. and I think the, those who understand the industry are probably already uh, at a level where they would be considered competent anyway, aren't going to have any yep. challenges, you know, achieving what's required uh, and it could be a really good exercise of potentially um, removing some of that element of the industry who perhaps aren't meeting expectations mm-hmm. and maybe do leave a bit of a bad name. Yeah, and that's the thing, doesn't it? It sort of passes on, yeah. So, Adrian, in this day and age, why do you think it is so important? We've mentioned it several times already that people get their property managed and use a professional. Um, I think the first thing is really just stress-free investment in property. Um, you don't buy an investment property to get stressed and, and pull your hair out essentially um, at the end of the night. Um, but I mean, in terms of what's going on, um, the compliance and law changes have really drastically changed um, the industry as a whole. Um, it's totally different to when I first started when I was 19. I'm only 27 now, so I mean, what's that? Um, <laughs> it's dra- dramatically changed in that time. Um, mm. It's no longer something that you can simply just do on the side after work when you get home. It's actually, uh, it's a full-time thing now. Um, so y- yeah, that, that would be the primary part of why you would need to get a property manager or why I think you would need to get a property manager. 27 and you're leading a branch. Um, has that been a real clear sort of career path when you look back that, of where you wanted to, to get? Because that, that seems really quick. Well done. Um, yeah, thank you. Um, clear career path? Um, uh, yeah, not really. I mean, I, I, I'm in my 20s, so at the end of the day, um, how many 20-year-olds knew exactly where they were going to mm-hmm. go with their career at the time? Um it's probably a little bit clearer now, um, now that I'm a little bit older, but yeah, when I was 19, I, 
I definitely could have told you, hey, by the time I'm 27, I'll be in Rimuera running a uh, property management <laughs> branch. So. Um, obviously, over the last few weeks, we've chatted to politicians. So do either of you, if you had the opportunity to sit with all the major parties in the room, what advice would you give them in this industry and in this space for new policies that they might be writing? Look, I think if I, if I had an opportunity to sit down with politicians, the first thing I'd say to them around healthy homes would be, look, don't make too many changes. We're yep. so far through the program. Uh, and this is something I yeah, say so yeah, often. Yeah. If you take the politics, if you take the Phil Twyford out of healthy <laughs> homes, uh, the building science behind healthy homes is actually really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you find me somebody who thinks, you know, less sick kids, more a more productive workforce, healthy homes. You find anyone that thinks that doesn't think that's a good idea, and I'll debate it with them. Uh, so I'd, I'd suggest that we're so far through the program. Yeah, it, good it, feedback. It would be um, advantageous to see it through. And then over time, look at what changes would be required because obviously there still needs to be some alignment between the building code and what the Residential Tenancies Act calls for. So MB have to step up and address that. Mm. Yeah, cool. Adrian? Um, yeah, I think, uh, I mean, Adam and I were talking a little bit earlier before the show just about some of the unintended consequences of the legislation that is getting passed by Parliament. Mm. Um, I, I think a little bit more consultation with the guys that are actually on the ground doing the job before formulating the, a, a new enactment or a new set of regulations so that we try and avoid these unintended consequences as best as possible um, because at the end of the day what seems little in terms of a potential error or a potential consequence of that legislation can actually cost um, the everyday mum and dad investor thousands of dollars down the track. Um, so that would be the, the primary issue mm-hmm. that I would raise. Yep. Okay. 90 day, no cause, end of tenancy. Where do you sit on that one? Get rid of this rule or keep it? Um, I'm not particularly... When I looked at the st- statistics, I mean, I did a video um, with David Faulkner from Real IQ a long time ago back when the 90 day no-cause terminations right. were first sort of proposed as being removed. Um, the statistics, I think, was around 3% of tenancies or something were terminated by a 90-day notice. Um, mm-hmm. It's essentially a, it's not a very impactful change. I think there's better changes that can be made out there rather than just reintroducing something that wasn't really used that much in the past anyway, um, potentially even tweaking some of the current cause terminations to also apply to fixed-term tenancies, seeing as... Auckland predominantly is a fixed-term tenancy market, but a lot of those right. um, with course terminations are only for periodics. Mm-hmm. Interesting. There's your controversial one, mate, not the <laughs> earlier one. Uh, yeah, interesting, because we've got sort of both sides of the coin over the last few weeks. We've had people come on and say, no, I need that to, to go because it's not safe to get rid of somebody and having to involve the neighbours and get all these things to sort of prove that someone needs to leave. But then the flip of the coin, both our politicians mentioned people that have written to them saying, please get rid of the rule. I've had this blip in my life, a criminal history or a credit history. And I, when there was the 90-day ability, I was able to say, let me prove myself. Give me 90 days in your property. If it doesn't work, you've got a way to get me out, you know. And so, interesting. Interesting. All right. Um, final part of the show, and talk a little bit about leadership. It was something we talked about on the show for a number of weeks. And Adam, you mentioned your business partner, Matt. So, um, how do you sort of lead your team and, and inspire them and 
how does that work? That's a pretty good question, Stephen. How long have you got? Ah, um, look, well, it's, technically four minutes. You know, <laughs> one thing I do when I'm, um, you know, so I guess setting the tone for uh, the culture in our business around leadership is I, I lean on past experiences. And, you know, the good news is I've had some great bosses in my time and I've, I've had some bad bosses and they're both equally as useful. Um, and I guess I just do the opposite of what, what the bad bosses used to do, <laughs> which is around, you know, recognising people and their unique contributions they make and how their brain ticks and understanding um, all of the, you know, because ultimately people are quite complex. So it's understanding oh, that. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we stress very, very heavily as a business that you must enjoy what you do. You must enjoy coming to work. You must have a smile on your face. You must be able to have a, have a laugh with your colleagues. Um, still deliver great outcomes for clients and, mm. and, and have high standards, but still enjoy fundamentally what it is that you do. And if you... Uh, you know, you align your, your your business values and your objectives against ensuring that at all times you're meeting that. Mm. You really can't go wrong. And obviously, you know, obviously you've got to really be, be really picky, picky with people. You know, you've got to make sure that you, you get the best of the best in your business. Yeah, nice. I like that. And you're absolutely right. I mean, we're on this earth for such such a short time. Why would you not want to come to a workplace that you enjoy every day? I think you see your people at work more than your partners at home. Absolutely. Yeah. Adrian, what about leadership for you? Good examples that you've had or how do you inspire your team? Yeah, it probably sounds a little bit cliche, but I sort of believe in listening um, first and then obviously good communication. Um, Particularly with property management, I mean, it's a very high-stress environment um, at times. Um, So it's for us, it's really good to be able to give back to um, our employees. Um, For example, Carolyn, the branch manager, um, just last week had the entire property management team down at um, Bliss Retreatments in Newmarket and everyone was getting a foot massage and a a shoulder massage. But just to really recognise the contribution and and some of the stresses that the team do have to put up with, um, having that open door policy is another really good thing that um, both myself and Carolyn practice in the branch um, for essentially anything, um, which again comes back down to that listening and communication. Yeah. Long-term goals, where would you like to see the next five years head? Um, Ultimately, I mean, we've got plans for the branch to be able to grow. Um, We've got growth targets set. We want to get out there, get some more business. Um, We do have a huge focus on high-end and luxury at the moment. Um, I think from our experience, we're very sort of particularly placed to be able to offer a good service to our landlords in that area. So that's, yeah, that's where the branch is heading. That's where we're heading. Cool. Adam, long-term goals for the company? Oh, look, it's probably about na- national expansion. We cover probably around 60% of the population from, from our current um, basis. Okay. Um, so I expect to see some, some, some further changes there on the national footprint. Nice. Uh, how can people get in touch with you and find out more information? Well, our website is a great place to start. So it's allclear.nz um, and they can find uh, information on all of our services online, um, including information if they're interested in training and education that's on there too, as well as all of our contact information. And currently, where are you in the country if people want to uh, so book we have in a head tomorrow? Headquarters here in Auckland. Uh, we have a satellite office in Whangarei and a, uh, an office based in Christchurch. And on the 28th, we are offer, opening, opening a satellite office in Tower. Ah, cool. Tauranga. It's all happening in Tauranga. Yeah. The awesome. Golden Triangle. Yeah. Well, I was walking through the main street a few weeks ago and I was like, oh, there's so many closed shops. So I'm hoping that turns around for them. I think it's probably going to be the summer of 2024 for yeah. the Bay, to be honest. It, need, it needs a bit longer for the tourism. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sort of impo- effect to take its um, natural course. Nice. And Adrian, how can people get in touch with you and your team? 
Yes, I mean, it's relatively simple. Barfoot.co.nz slash Rimuera. You'll find me on there. You'll find my uh, team on there. Um, profiles about us and everything else as well. So um, feel free. Any questions at all? Um, I mean, even if you just have a general question, we're happy to answer them. Awesome. Well, thank you both for your time on a Monday afternoon. Safe travels in the Auckland traffic and uh, hopefully people get in touch and really appreciate your knowledge. And I've certainly got a very different scientific view now of what all clear is looking like. Pleasure. Great to have you here, guys. And a reminder, you can download our podcast from Spotify, Apple, and wherever you like to listen to them. And our email address is propertymatters at barfoot.co.nz. Got some very different guests coming up over the next few weeks, so make sure you stay tuned. We'll catch you next Monday. Safe travels on your way home. Have a good night.